You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. So the reading this morning is called Snowy Night by Mary Oliver. Last night, an owl in the blue dark tossed an intermediate number of carefully shaped sounds into the world, in which a quarter of a mile away, I happened to be standing. I couldn't tell which one it was, the bard or the great horn ship of the air. It was that distant. But anyway, aren't there moments that are better than knowing something and sweeter? Snow was falling, so much like stars filling the dark trees that one could easily imagine its reason for being was nothing more than prettiness. I suppose if this were someone else's story, they would have insisted on knowing whatever is knowable, would have hurried over the fields to name it, the owl, I mean. But it's mine, this poem of the night, and I just stood there, listening and holding out my hands to the soft glitter falling through the air. I love this world, but not for its answers. And I wish good luck to the owl, whatever its name. And I wish great welcome to the snow, whatever its severe and comfortless and beautiful meaning. This was Snowy Night by Mary Oliver. Happy solstice. Gott Yule. A blessed winter, almost. In a few short days, in the shortest of days, will descend upon all of us, as it does every year. Winter will officially begin, though it's been an ever-present guest for some time now. Today is the perfect Sunday before the solstice. A few flurries dancing around the air this morning, a crisp, chill winter skies. The southern hemisphere will welcome the radiance of summer as we immerse ourselves in the cold, gray snow and with a hope and a prayer, not too much ice or freezing rain. Winter in Kentucky is something I welcome. I find my body has become more aware of the cycle of the seasons here than in my hometown of Chicago, where winter feels longer. (laughs) Spring is an afterthought. Summer is an intense blip on the radar and a long fall to winter once more. But here, Say what you will about the weather. Kentucky is blessed with four distinct seasons, four turnings of the natural world, and I find it easier to immerse myself in each one. And so winter is here. The solstice awaits us all. The longest night will pass. It is humbling for me to wrestle with the truth that after the winter solstice, the days slowly get longer, but we hunker down in the coldest of months. The lessons winter can teach us abound, just as any season. It hearkens to that axiom I hold in my heart, the three-word summation of my religion, nature is enough. It is enough with the blooming of spring. It is enough with the refulgent summer. It is enough with the decay of autumn. It is enough the long, cold nights of winter. Here is the reason for the season, the solstice, the long nights, the cold, Winter is a crucible of sorts, 
for all of the festivals of light that will visit upon us. Hanukkah, the miracle of oil burning brightly. Diwali, with candles and lamps lit aplenty, reminding us that good will always triumph over evil. Christmas, the story of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, and for us, a reminder that each night a child is born, it is a holy night. Kwanzaa, literally meaning the first fruits, calls us to remember African harvest festivals, family, and unity. Winter calls us, as we sang not long ago, toward a common center, and in it, strength we claim. These festivals are such a center. They call to us, secular or religious, year after year. And many are anchored in or around the solstice. This year, I'm thinking of Yule especially, a day that was celebrated amongst Germanic, Scandinavian, Anglo-Saxon, Finnic, and several other peoples. I try to imagine my ancestors, the Britonic, Celtic, and Nordic peoples, looking to the passage of seasons in the frigid north of Scandinavia, the gray islands of Ireland and Britain, and knowing that the good green spring was not far off. Have you contemplated your ancestors and their myths? The legends they tell around hearth fires on winter nights while working fields and tending animals. Perhaps your ancestors come from somewhere where rainy season was more common. What monsoon legends are in your very bones? What harvest metaphors or equatorial songs sing true? I think there's something beautiful in knowing where we come from. While the myths, legends, rituals, gods, goddesses of ages past may lo no longer speak truth to our heart, reconnecting with them and where we come from, I truly believe this, it, it heals a disconnection that our modern world has wrought upon us. And so I'm thinking of winter nights in the Northern Hemisphere, right here, right now. Now stories would emerge on those nights. How could they not? We are a mythopoetic species. We like a good story. And you've probably heard some of them. The Oak King and the Holly King, who will triumph this year in their epic battle throughout the ages? The Green Man will be reborn yet again. The elder veiled goddess of Celtic mythology will consume a tonic and return to her youth in spring. And this is but a few. There's one story I'm mindful of this solstice, this Yule. It comes to us from Norse mythology, the story of the god Baldr. Anyone know it? I saw a couple nods. Excellent. <laughs> it's a wild story. <laughs> and as an aside, whenever I read stories of gods or goddesses, I ask myself, what is this telling me about us, about human beings, right here and right now? Now, Baldr, if you ever want a close look, he's right over there on the table. According to Norse mythology, son of the goddess Frigg and Odin, the All-Father, was the most beloved son. He was brave, courageous, good-looking, radiant, a bringer of light and love, and yes, we all love Baldr in the realm of gods and humankind. So beloved was Baldr, his mother Frigg, went to everything in all of creation and existence, and here's a side note real quick. In many polytheistic belief systems, they're animist. Everything has being. Rocks, plants, water, dogs, the sun, air, shadows, dirt. Everything is alive. 
Everything is so fully radiating presence. I'm not quite sure if a rock has a soul, but I like the attitude such a belief inspires to treat all the natural world with reverence. Anyway, so Baldur's mother goes to everything and asks them all to swear an oath, a sacred oath, that they would never harm her son, Baldur. And she succeeded. And the other gods and goddesses would end up playing games with Baldur, where they would throw knives or shoot arrows at him knowing he was invincible. Could you imagine? <laughs> However, his mother missed one thing. She failed to secure an oath from the mistletoe. How could such an insignificant weed harm her son? She brushed this off. All would be well, she said. And then the god Loki, the trickster, comes along. And he knew something was up. So he disguised himself as an old woman and asked Frigg how she secured all of those oaths from all of creation. And she confided in the old woman, that this is her big mistake, about missing the mistletoe. Loki quickly gathered up all of the mistletoe and made arrows out of it. And one day when the gods were throwing darts and arrows and rocks at Baldur, Loki slipped in some mistletoe arrows in the quiver of Baldur's blind twin brother, Hothar. And Baldur shouted to his brother so he could sense where he was and join in the fun. He knocked his arrow and released it. And to everybody's horror, the arrow struck Baldur and he died. The gods and goddesses, even the giants, I am told, lamented. His parents were torn apart. And so grief-stricken was his father, Odin, that he immediately had a new child, Vali, with a consort of his. Vali grew to adulthood in a single day and became the god of vengeance. Vali slew Baldur's twin brother, Hothar, and sought vengeance against Loki. Here's where it just keeps building here. <laughs> Meanwhile, Odin sent his boyfriend, Hermod, to the underworld to look for Baldur. Now, let's pause in this part of the story. For anyone that laments the popularity of reality TV, I just need to point out that reality TV has been with us since time immemorial. <laughs> if you've been paying attention, Odin has a wife, a consort, and a boyfriend. They all get along, apparently. <laughs> the innocent brother of Baldur was slain in retaliation. And the soap opera continues. Hermod, the messenger of the gods, went to hell. That's H-E-L, not H-E-double-L. -L, the goddess of the underworld to resurrect Baldur. She said that if all of creation would lament, she'd resurrect him. So Hermod returned relayed this information, and all the gods went to all of creation for their tears. Everyone and everything lamented, except one old woman named Thok, who was really Loki in disguise again. Baldur would not return. So the gods prepared his body on a funeral pyre aboard his ship. His wife, Nana, threw herself upon the pyre with her and all of his possessions. He was pushed out to sea by a giantess and consumed in the flames. Now it is said, at the end of all things, Baldur, his wife Nana, and his slain twin brother Hothar will survive Ragnarok. They will join other spared deities once the world is completely and utterly destroyed. 
they will resurrect and establish a new world, a better world, a world free from the trials and tribulations of our current one. So that story's a lot. <laughs> it's got everything. It's got drama, betrayal, giants, the underworld, boyfriends and girlfriends, tricksters, vengeance, and hope. And if many of the themes sound familiar to you, chiefly a sacrificed God who will one day resurrect in glory, you are not the first to make that connection. Each winter solstice, the Yule, the death of Balder is commemorated, and the hope of his return grows each day with the returning light. Change out the names of the story, and you have several other similar myths throughout time. Universal hopes about warmth and light, and a new world just out of reach. I'll just say this. I like the Norse gods and goddesses. Many of them are all a hot mess. There's no illusion of perfection. They're just like us in many ways. They're extra in everything. Extra dramatic, extra powerful, extra with this and that. And I like this story because in asking what this myth tells us about human beings, you get a great soap opera out of it. But you also get to the common center we all face when winter comes. Hope in the returning light. And yet it is a hope delayed. We're also reminded in this story that the darkness is not an evil thing in and of itself. In many modern celebrations of the solstice, it's about defeating the darkness, vanquishing it, seeing it as an evil to overcome. But Hermod, the messenger god, goes willingly into the darkness of the underworld, where Balder sits side by side with the goddess Hel. Remember, that's H-E-L. He is not suffering there. And the dark of the underworld is a welcoming embrace that will protect him from the end of the world. Now, the truth for us is to remember balance. There is goodness to be found in the darkness and evil, too. There is goodness to be found in light and evil, too. How many messengers of the light, those who proclaim to bring us good news for a brighter day, turn out to be bringers of sorrow? And when in your life have you resisted the darker moments only to find a richness within, an opportunity to grow that you did not expect? It is interesting to me that in all these festivals of light, there is almost always a sense that from the darkness, a new world will emerge. Perhaps that new world is an end to war or vanquishing evil. Perhaps it's a renewed earth or an entirely new creation, or maybe it's just a personal transformation. But darkness provides, just as the winter does, a crucible of transformation in these myths. And we can wonder and we can hope in our lives and as a community. Now there's a great Zen koan that goes quite simply. When it darkens, darken further. The winter solstice is a call to darken further. To see the night come swiftly to take notice of winter's arrival and then to balance it all out, to kindle a flame of hope. And here's something we could toy around with in our own spiritual lives if we want. I don't expect us to all become animists or polytheists, but if you are, that's great. But what if you greeted the dark as a friend and the light too? What if you let them both envelop you? What lessons await you? It really is about paying attention, but going one step further. 
Pay attention and immerse yourself in the moment. Pay attention to the short day, the quiet of snowfall when it comes, the beautiful terror of freezing rain and ice. Pay attention to the evergreen and cheerful holly, pine and mistletoe, the blooming of witch hazel come late winter, the thick fur that grows on animals around us, squirrels and foxes and our pets. What birds are in the sky this time of year? Pay attention. What stars shift into focus? Orion is rising. Jupiter and Mars are in their full glory. Pay attention to how you feel. Are you feeling invulnerable, like the god Balder? <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> For we know none of us are truly invincible. Are you waiting in the darkness? What does it tell you? Are you itching to kindle fires in the night? For what hopes do you kindle such flames? This is the promise of solstice. This is the foundation of the time we are all in. May you all darken further this winter twilight. May the festivals of light bring you joy. May blessings abound. A blessed solstice to you all. Gut Yule. Winter is here. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.